All right, it's my favorite time of year. You combine Easter together with basketball. This is awesome. Anybody watching? Uh, anybody seen? Uh, yeah, okay. Couple of you. Sister Jean's prayers kind of met their match last night with Michigan. That was tough. So I love basketball, and I've uh, been playing basketball in this county for almost my entire life. I've played on courts that you've probably seen before and courts you never knew that existed. And I realized something about myself. I never brought a basketball. I don't even own a basketball. This was a, this isn't, this is this is the basketball, but it's not real basketball. You just got a bunch of writing on it. It was a gift. I coached my son's basketball team when he was in elementary school, and they gave me this. I have never brought a basketball to the court before, ever. I just hope somebody else would show up with the basketball. And I got to tell you, there's a bunch of times that I would uh, I'd be there. There we were 15, 20 guys. We're all decked out. I mean, we got the shorts on, we got the shirt, we got the cool basketball shoes on, we got the court and the hoop. We got everything. We don't have a basketball. We're standing around looking at each other. Then a car would pull up, and like everybody's looking at the car, saying, "Oh man, you have a basketball." I don't have a basketball. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Finally, a car would pull up. You got a basketball? And, you know, they throw the basketball. And all of a sudden, you got a bunch of guys in their 20s and 30s, and they're smiling and gigging like little kids, you know. We got a basketball. Because without the basketball, you can't play basketball, right? So the basketball is everything. I mean, you can look the part. You can look really good. You can look like a basketball player. But if you don't have the basketball, you're not really playing the game. All right, the cross. The cross is everything, everything to Christianity. Without the cross, you got nothing. This is why Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, may I never, ever, ever. So you don't get that in the English that I'm reading that's on the right, that's on the right. You don't get that or on the back of your book. You don't get that. But in the Greek, in the original language that it was written in, that Paul writes in, he says, may I never, ever, ever. Like really emphasize. Matter of fact, just a few verses before that, he says, I am writing this letter. I'm writing this portion in my own hand. Like, whoa, whoa, man. Really? Your own hand? Big deal. And that's what he's trying to say. It's a big deal. I'm writing in big, bold letters because I don't want you to miss this. And then he says this. Man, I never, ever, ever boast in anything else but the cross of Christ because the cross is everything. The cross is to Christianity with the basketball, what the basketball is to basketball. You can't, you can't have one, you can't have one without the other. Just, it just, it just doesn't work. So what I'd like to talk about this morning is the importance of the cross and what that, what that means about, about resurrection. I want to finish the verse. It says, may I never boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Why would he say that? I've been, I've died, I've crucified, I've died to the world. There's a couple different words for world in the Bible. One is creation, you and me, people, right? That's not the word being used here. The word being used here is the system of the world. What's the system? The system of the world is self-centeredness that the Bible describes, which is the exact polar opposite of the cross. The cross is about self-denial. The cross is actually about radical self-denial, radical self-denial. So what does that mean? How does that have a bearing on us? The cross of Christ is the way of Christ. And it's the one thing that changes absolutely everything. Okay, I'd like to define a couple few key terms. So if you're following along on Grace Live or at West Falls Church, happy Easter, good morning. These key terms, I hope you'll write down. I hope you all write them down here. They're really basic, but they're important. You know why? If we don't understand these basic terms, everybody... 
We can get confused. It can be dangerous. It can be problematic. So I'm going to give you some very basic terms, okay? And I'm going to start with a story. Some of you have seen Calvin and Hobbes. You know what that little Calvin and Hobbes is? Anybody? Anybody? Woo! Okay, Calvin. Did you know that Calvin is named after John Calvin, 16th century the- theologian, John Calvin, right? Calvin. So he's, a, he's this little boy, and he has all these fantastic right, stories and things that he does, right? So in this one, he's in a fighter jet. He's flying in a fighter jet, and across the radio comes, right, the guy's, enemy at 2 o'clock, enemy at 2 o'clock. And Calvin says, okay, got it. What do I do till then? So if we don't understand the terms in their context and what it's being talked about, we can be confused, we can hurt ourselves, we can hurt other people, give all kinds of problems. So I'm going to define some terms, all right? Here we go. All right. The cross is Jesus' radical rebellion against sin. This cross, the most recognized symbol on the face of the planet, better known than the golden of arches of McDonald's, right? It's the most recognized symbol that we have on the planet. It's Jesus' re- This is why we've named the series Rebel with a Cause, right? What's his cause? This is his cause. It's his radical rebellion against sin. Okay, all right. That's good, John. Thank you. This is his way. All right? What is sin? Sin, everybody, is selfishness. It's important that you write that one down. Sin is selfishness. Ever since I started studying theology, I've read that. Theologians say, every sin that we do is an expression of our pride. It's self-centeredness. I know we get like, oh, don't call me a sinner. Is that a sin? Is that a sin? Everybody all, what's that a sin? Listen, let's, let's just, I know people have said it in ways that tick you off or anger you or whatever. Or maybe you've said it in a way that's ticked somebody off. Here's the deal with sin in the Bible. Self-centeredness, which is the polar opposite of this. Next one, all right? Hell. Hell is separation. Hell is separation. That's all hell is. Salvation is reconciliation. Everybody, this is critically important here. Salvation, God, salvation is reconciliation or the restoration or the resurrection of a relationship that has been broken. God does not relate to us the way electricity relates to a light bulb. It's not a power. It's not what we're about. Like, let me give them life. No, 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 no. You have life because your relationship with God has been restored. It's a story of the entire Bible. It's a story of the entire cross. It's about a... You need to think about everything about Easter and Good Friday and Holy Week and our relationship with God in the terms of a relationship, this is what it's all about. This is what this is all about. And if we do that, we'll have a much better understanding of what the storyline the Bible is trying to communicate to us. It's, it's, all about, it's all about restoration, right? Forgiveness hurts. Forgiveness always, always hurts. You pay, I pay. You pay, I pay. That's the way it works. You come to my house, you break my window. I either forgive you and I pay. Or I say, oh man, how dare you do that? You pay. This is the way it works, right? Somebody pays with forgiveness. Finally, resurrection is a receipt. It's a receipt that the way of Christ has worked, that the relationship has been reborn. Now, here's what Jesus says, speaking about the cross in Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What is Christianity about? Christianity is about a cross. 
What is the cross about? Radical self-denial. Here's what I'm going to try to get at this morning. You ready for this? I want to suggest to you that what the cross is about is the one thing that will change everything and it's already something that you and I already believe in. The entire planet. That we believe that this is the way relationships work and this is the way that relationships become restored. That's what I'm going to try to do in the next few minutes this morning. I am suggesting to you that all of your family and all of your friends and all of your co-workers and neighbors and on and on all around this planet already believe in the way of Christ and the way of the cross. We just need to accept it and understand it. That's what I'm going to try to prove this morning. If you'll give me just a few moments. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Jesus says it. And he talks about his way. And it's one, I think, that's been greatly misunderstood. I misunderstood it for years. I've thought about it for years. I've thought about this statement. I've heard people say it. And when I make this statement that Jesus makes in the scriptures, when I say this, some of you are going to say, yeah, man, right. That's right. I got no problem with that. Everybody needs to know that. Some of us are going to say, yes, I believe in that, but let's just, let's just, let's tamp it down a little bit. Others are going to say, I don't like that. I'm offended by that. And some of us have been offended by people who've said it in a really arrogant way, right? And they're, they're, they're actually undermining the very faith they're trying to promote, okay? So here's the statement. Jesus Christ says, I am the way. He's not doesn't say, I am a way. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now let me slow down. You know that some of us have a lot of baggage because of things that have been said to us. For 20 minutes... If you can just put all that emotional baggage on the shelf. I know that's hard. That's a lot to ask. But I just want us to think through what Jesus is really saying when he makes that statement. It is a restoration statement. What he's simply saying is this. Here is how every single relationship in our life is restored. You already do this. You already operate on this. If you don't, your life is miserable. If you do, your life is good. We all know this. We all, what I'm going to talk about this morning is as simple as gravity. Tell me something I don't know, John. You drop the ball, it falls. You drop the ball, it falls. This is how restoration works. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as gravity. This, so he's making a restoration statement. He's not making a statement to say, oh, let me, tell you, let me tell you how to be better than everybody else. No, 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 no. Here is how every relationship is restored, okay? So this is what we're after this morning because it has everything to do with this. And this is the one thing that changes everything that we kind of already believe in. Well, this is what I'm about. All right. Um, how do relationships work? Think about this for a second. Do you know anybody? It's not you and it's not, it's not your neighbor. So don't raise your hand. Do you know anybody who's radically selfish? Radically selfish. Does anybody know anybody that's really, really selfish? Anybody at all? Okay, I have one hand I see out. I thank you. Thank you for that. So I'm going to talk to you afterwards. You're the only person that knows a radically selfish person. Okay. It's never us, right? Sometimes it's our neighbor. We try not to cause fights here, so we want you to go like that. Yeah, that's you. Okay. Right? Tell me about their relationships. Tell me about the person who is radically selfish. What do their relationships look like? Are they in good shape? Are the relationships in good shape? Isn't it natural that when you're radically selfish that you find yourself in isolation? Isn't that the way that your relationship, that's the way mine work? Right? When I know somebody who's selfish, or I, I am selfish, when I act, when I, I'm selfish all the time, but I have outbursts of selfishness. Does that, is that good to say? So I'll give you, this has actually happened numerous times in my life. We'll come in, and when the, especially when the kids were younger come in, we've been out, I don't know, soccer games, basketball games, whatever, we've been somewhere, and I'm hungry, and I'll come in, and I'll make a sandwich. Now, listen, in my defense, I won't make like a full-blown meal. 
I'll just make a sandwich in a real, in a hurry. And Crystal will walk in and there I am eating a sandwich. I'm just minding myself eating a sandwich. And, and, and she'll say, did you make one for the kids? And I said, no, innocently. No, I didn't know. I didn't know they were hungry. She said, did you ask? And when she makes that statement, immediately I know I'm in a situation that I cannot recover from. I, I, it's, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I said, uh, I, I didn't. Did you make one for me? She says, did you make one for me? I, I didn't know. And then she cuts me off. She says, yes, you didn't know because you didn't think about anybody besides your yes. Now, what has happened in that moment? Think with me. What's that? I have crossed the threshold into hell, right? <laughs> she hasn't put me there. She has not put me there. My own selfish actions, because selfishness always leads to isolation. It always leads to separation. That's the way relationships work. All sin is an expression of our self-centeredness. We isolate ourselves. That's just simply the way life works. And what the cross is about is radical selflessness. Did you all see the news piece that was done recently about the most sinful states? Anybody? Arlington Patch covered it. What are the most sinful states in the United States of America? Which ones do you think they are, right? Who do you think is number one? What is the most sinful state? In California, Nevada. I'm here now. I'm here, I'm here in California, Nevada. Sin City is in Nevada, right? Sin City is in Nevada. Nevada's not number one. Neither is California. You ready for this? I don't think I heard anybody say it. Florida. Florida. What are all those retirees doing down there? My, my God, somebody. They've gone wild. Florida. California's number two. Nevada's number three. You know what the most least sinful state in the United States? Wallet Hub did this, and they measured it on the seven deadly sins. They took a, like a scientific look. Anyway, what do you think? Oklahoma. Wow. Vermont. Vermont. You know anybody from Vermont? Become their friend. You want to be their friend. All right. So look at these seven. Can I get, I'm just going to give you two. Can I give you two? They did all the, they did seven uh, out of the seven deadly sins. Who's the most, who's the least? Can I just, can I give you two just for the fun of it? Okay. What do you think is the angriest state in the United States? Angry, angry, angry. Alaska, Alaska. What do they have to be angry about up there? Other than the sun doesn't shine half the time and it's really cold. Least angry. Least. Least. Hawaii. They said, that's what the first service said. I hope you're shouting out over there too, West Falls Church. Maine. Maine is the least angry state. All right. What is the most vain state? Vanity. Vanity. New York. Matter of fact, the article says, unsurprisingly, it is New York. Be careful if you're a friend with somebody from New York. All right. Now, what's the least angry? Least angry. Least angry. Alaska again. Maybe, may, not least vain, is Alaska. But maybe if they were a little more, right, vain, they would have a little less anger. I don't know. All right. Virginia is 23rd. Maryland is 26th on the whole, whole list. All right. The, the way of Christ is the cross of Christ, and the cross is about radical self-denial. This past week has been Holy Week, right? Palm Sunday to today. So everything about this past week in the life of Jesus Christ is all about selflessness. It just really is. And you just think about it for a second. 
all the self, all the selfless things that Jesus Christ did and all the selfishness that he was constantly surrounded by. You got his disciples during this final week of his life. His own disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus is down washing feet. He's in the garden and he knows all this is coming. And he says, Father, if, if anything, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. And then here comes the soldiers to arrest him. It's an unjust arrest. Peter pulls a sword, cuts off one of their ears. Now, if it was me there, right, with the unjust arrest, with all my self-centeredness, I would have said, Peter, cut the other one off while you're at it, man. Come on. But what does Jesus do? In selflessness, he heals. He heals this man's ear. It's pretty incredible. Then he's put on a cross, right? He's nailed to the cross. He's mocked. He's beaten mercilessly. And what does he do? He's, he's praying. He's forgiving. He's caring. It's like, John, here's your mother. You know, mother, here's to take care of each other. Like, who's going to take time to do that? It's total selflessness that we see on the cross. You know, in the first couple hundred years of Christianity, you know, right after Christ is resurrected and sends to heaven, uh, this was so much a part of who we were, the cross, selflessness, that prisoners in prison, they would pray. They said, God, please send a Christian to this prison. <laughs> Can you imagine? How would you like to be that? You would show up at I'm a Christian. Oh, I prayed that you'd get in here, right? You know why, you know why they would pray that? You know why they pray that? Because the Christian, because of the cross, because that's our whole identity, our whole identity, they knew that they would share They knew that that Christian would share their food, that they would share their blanket, that they would share because selflessness is the entire, it's what the entire, you can't have Christianity without the cross, and the cross represents radical selflessness. That's the one thing about Christianity that it is. You think about, we talk about the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We say, oh, they're biographies. They're biographies. Well, you look at at John. Look at the letter he wrote. Not much of a biography, everybody. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty sad, actually, if it's a biography, because the half of the book covers the last week of Jesus's life. Are you kidding me? There is so much more. And John even tells us it in the last verse. He says, if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't cover it. And I'm thinking to myself as I read that, why didn't you? There's stuff I would love to, haven't you had situations? Oh, what would Jesus do in that situation? He had the information. Why didn't he include it? You know why? You know why? Because he wanted to talk what, was, what, what mattered the most. You want to talk about this? Because this is the way that leads to restoration of, of relationships. This is the only thing. This is the one thing. It's the one thing that all of us, and we went around this room, we said, okay, what's the one thing that would change this world? What's the one thing that, that we need the most? What's the one thing that would change relationships more than anything else? And you just thought, thought for a minute. I mean, somebody might just kind of flippantly say, oh, money. Man, if I had a ton of money, everything be, would be better, right? Some of you have heard that country song, right? Right? Money can't buy love, but it'll buy me a boat, right? You heard that? <laughs> buy me a truck to pull that boat. All right. Okay, but when you really got down to thinking about it, what is it that makes relationships go? Selflessness. Selflessness, the cross, is the one thing that changes everything. And what fascinates me is the entire planet knows this. The entire planet knows that this is what makes relationships great. Now, we don't act on it. We know we don't act on it. But what would marriages look like if we were just totally selfless with each other? What would traffic look like if we were to- What would your workplace look like if we were radically self 
less with each other? How would your friendships look like if we were radically selfless? Would it, would it have a profound impact? How would our world look if we were radically selfless? So, so we know this. And what fascinates me, everybody, is the one thing the cross is about is the same thing the entire plan would say, yes, if we had that. So we already believe it. We already believe it. So when Jesus Christ says, I am the way, he said, here's the way to restoring a relationship. How is a relationship restored? How does that happen? All right? When, when, when you forgive somebody, you think about the way forgiveness works. I said this earlier. You come to my house, you, you break my window. I have a choice to make. I'm going to pay or you're going to pay. If I forgive you, it means I'm paying. Right? If I'm going to hold on to it, I'm going to just express my anger to you. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you pay. How dare you break you know, how dare you break my window? How could you do that? And what happens so often in this world when somebody does us wrong, we make them pay. Forgiveness is, is I, take the, I take the pain. I take the payment. I caught this article. It was a headline on this news feed on my phone. Celebrity revenge. And it was all these stories about how exes, like an ex-spouse or an ex-significant other cheated on the other and how they got back. It was great stories. Oh my gosh. Just burning each other's clothes, <laughs> going to the bathroom in each other's favorite shoes. I'm like, okay, this right is terrible. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> this article was just read it. That's the way, that's when we're, when we're not this, that's the way we do. But how do relationships work? When, right? When we forgive, when we extend. So this is what Jesus Christ is doing on the cross. He's extending forgiveness. Everybody, the cross is every self-centered act that has ever been committed, past, present, and future, piled up in one place on Jesus Christ. That's why he's in agony. You think about it. When he's hanging on the cross, he's got nails through his hands. He's got the crown of thorns, the head, feet. He's got this. He doesn't cry out. My head, my head, the thorn. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do it. My hands, he doesn't do that. What does he cry out? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why? Because he's had this perfect relationship, perfect relationship with God his entire life, and now he's lost it. He's lost it because all the selfish acts have caused him to be in isolation from his father. Have you ever lost somebody you really loved? They were awesome. I have a cousin uh, who took his first child to college. And it hit him when he left him there at the dormitory. And he told me he couldn't stop crying. Couldn't stop crying. It hit him. that I mean, he didn't lose him forever. He just lost him for a semester, right? <laughs> they stopped in an outback on the way, and him and his wife were just in tears. And the waitress was thought they were getting a divorce. <laughs> Came up and kneeled down beside us. It's okay. You're going to make it, you know? But they're mourning. You ever lost somebody you love? This is what's happening to Jesus on the cross because everything, so he could forgive. He's extending, he's extending forgiveness unto us. So here, ready? Restoration of a relationship. You tell me if there's another way to this. Forgiveness, number one, three steps. Number one, forgiveness. Jesus Christ extends it. He's saying, I'll pay. I'll take the pain. Always hurts. Look, People say, I hear this all the time. It, nobody, nobody functions this way. Well, if he's a loving God, why doesn't he just forgive? Okay. Is that the way you work? Is that how you function? 
right? That's like gravity doesn't work anymore. It's like gravity doesn't work. Is that the way you work? Somebody you love has hurt you desperately. Somebody you dearly love has hurt you desperately. You're like, ah, it's okay. It's all good. Is that the way you work? It's not the way I work. I either take my wrath out on them or I forgive them and gosh, it hurts. And that's what that represents. And he's saying, I'm extending forgiveness to everybody. Now there's two more steps. Right? Second step is you confess it. You confess. You name it. Look, in any relationship that you have in your life where your relationship's broken, your relationship's broken, and you go to that person, I've done this with Krista a million times, you go to the person and say, I'm so sorry. And she'll say, for what? <laughs> it's very important. You know why she says for what? Because until I name it, until I own it, I don't really believe it. And I'll never change from it. My pride says, oh, no, no. So naturally what's happening with me if I won't say it, because there's been times I just won't go, I'm not going to say it. We have to confess it and name it so that we own it, so that we can go a different way from it. It's the only way to move on. You have to name it to the person. What is it that you did? I confess. Forgiveness, number one, is extended by Jesus Christ on the cross. Through his selfless act. Number two, we confess it. Number three, then it has to be accepted. You have to accept the forgiveness. Yes. Yes, I agree. Now, let's come back to Jesus' statement. I am the way. Sound exclusive? Here's the deal. It's a restoration statement. It's how relationships are restored. It's how your relationships are restored. It's how my relationships are restored. I have more than 50 relationship books in my library, more than 50. And I, I, I have, I've listened to seminars. I've done all kinds of stuff for, what, 25 years in ministry. I have never, ever, ever heard of another way. It's not like somebody came along and said, I found a new way to restore a relationship. I found a new way to pull people back together after some terrible thing has broken them apart. You don't have to name it. You don't have to forgive it. You just have to ignore it, sweep it under the rug, do something else. But you don't have to forgive. You don't have to confess. And you don't have to accept. You don't, you don't have to deal with all that. No one's ever done that. There is only one way the entire planet functions on. It's like gravity. Simple as that. There's only one way to restore a relationship. It's you and I already believe this. You and I are already committed. Like we believe it. Maybe we follow it. Maybe we don't. If we follow it, our relationships are great. And you might say, okay, John, got it. Got it. Selflessness. Okay, I agree. And if you think deeply enough, you'll probably say, yes, I have to agree. I got it. got that. I'll just be selfless. I'll just be self. I'll just be a selfless person. Well, that's not going to work apart from Christ. You know why? You can't look to self to get rid of self. You got to look outside of self. So now where are you going to look? Is there another story? Is there another way of life? Is there another philosophy? Where selflessness is the absolute core and the essential ingredient of everything it's about. I've never heard of one. Now, usually philosophies or religions, it's a component. Selflessness is a component. I'm talking about the cross is everything to Christianity. There's nothing about Christianity beyond the cross. It is our very identity and who we are. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've never understood that before. I know I was confused about it for years. 
The story of the Bible is about restoring a relationship. And I want to encourage you to join his cause. It is the cause that will make the world a better place. Probably by your own belief. You probably already believe this way. You probably already know that selflessness is the way to better relationships. I want to encourage you to go ahead and act on what you already believe and know that works. And to receive Christ way as your Savior. Okay? I'm going to invite the music team to come on up because they're going to lead us in a closing song. And um, just going to make a few comments as we, uh, as we end here. We are going to look at, for the next five weeks, the letter of 1 John. And you know what surprisingly it's all about? It's written to the church, written to a group of Christians, not people outside, who took the cross out of Christianity. And they said, oh no, there's another way. There's another way. And it's how things got really, really, really messed up. We're going to focus on that for the next five weeks. And then we're going to have this big, huge, right, at the end, this going loco for local on Cinco de Mayo, right? This local. So, so I encourage you on this final song to think about the cause of Christ, enjoying his cause by accepting Christ, by confessing and accepting Christ as Savior. Then I encourage you on Cinco de Mayo, we go local for local to come out in a corporate way and to do selfless acts because this is what Christ would have us do. Let me close with this statement. Thomas Jefferson famously said in a later letter to James Madison, he said, a little rebellion every now and then is a good thing. A little rebellion every now and then is a good thing. On Cinco de Mayo, we're going to come together for this local community and do selfless service to make a difference in other people's lives as a church. We encourage you to be a part of that. Between now and then, I ask that you would think about, if you're a follower of Christ, what is your identity? Is that your identity? Are you known by selflessness? Because that's what it's all about. Are you known by love? And if you are not a follower of Christ, maybe you were unclear on the terms before, you were unclear on the message, I want to encourage you during this final song that you would seriously consider confessing and accepting Christ as your Savior because His way is the one way that absolutely changes everything. Can we stand together and sing?